you ready to learn something from the Word today? You know, I just have it in my spirit to teach today. So I just want to do that. Is that all right? I just feel like we ought to learn something. And you know, as I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about today, it just really came up in me that the idea ought to be today we talk about God wants you healthy and wealthy. How many know God wants you well? Look at somebody and say, God wants you well. All right, find somebody else. Turn around if you have to. I don't care what you got to do. Find somebody and say, God wants you well. He wants you well. He wants you healthy. You know, it really matters when you think about it. When you even think about yourself personally, think about your family. You know, as a mom and a dad, I'm sure you've been through this when your child is sick. Wouldn't you like to take their place? Haven't you ever looked at somebody that got ill and you thought, oh, if I could just take that off of them and get that off of their body? Amen. And just, I, you don't want them sick. You don't want them diseased. And anybody that would believe that God wants you sick and that God wants you diseased doesn't have the same mentality that I think they are, the right mentality. God's not a child abuser. How many believe God's a child abuser? I don't believe God's a child abuser. He said, the thief comes. Look at somebody say, the thief comes. Let me say, where's that at? John 10, 10. Says the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, just put that up. There it is. The thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Say that with me. The thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. Let's say that again. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Let me ask you again. Who comes to steal? Who comes to kill? Who comes to destroy? Now let's go on. He said, but I'm come. That's Jesus. He said, but I came that you could have life and that you would have it more abundantly. There, that word more is the word abundantly good and beyond measure. Abundantly good and beyond measure. God wants you to have life, but abundantly good and beyond measure. Now, why did Jesus come? I'm come. He said that you could have life. Life. That your life, that all of your life is filled with the goodness of God. That all the things that you do are filled with the goodness of God. I don't think God wants there to be a marriage on earth that's a disaster. Do you think that God, we're going to talk about all the subject matter that we can. But if you think when God says that we can get married and have a one flesh marriage. Is there any Christian that would believe that God got you married so you could have misery? Nobody's shouting on that one. No, I mean, to think in any way that God would want you to be married so that you could have a disaster and that it could be awful and you could have a terrible and ho- I, I didn't get married to have a bad life. I mean, I mean, I don't think that's why you all got married. Did you get married because you didn't like her? <laughs> no, you found something extremely attractive somewhere, somehow, sometime. Come on, let's just be real honest. Anybody want to admit that? Nobody wants to admit this, but everybody in here did it. I remember Amy and I. You'd work all day long. You'd sweat. You'd be worn out. But you'd be on the phone at 12 and 1 o'clock in the morning. And anybody remember them days? And you'd be talking on the phone and you'd say, you hang up. (laughs) Did you do it? Did you do it? Yeah, you will. And if you haven't, you will. You hang up. No, baby. You hang up first. Right? Come on. I'll tell you what. Let's just sleep with the phone on. <laughs> now, somewhere, conversation, relationship, and all of those things developed. And you, you produced inside of their love elements. And those love elements put you together. And, and, and there would be never a thought. There could never be a moment that at that time you hoped... I mean, you didn't go find somebody that was ugly to you, that, that you didn't even like to talk to, that you had no, no, you found somebody that you could fall in love with, you fell in love with them, you married them, and hoped that the rest of your life would be total success, and then you pray the rest of your life, Lord, work this out, help us out, help this marriage to come together, help us to define a better marriage, Lord, that we'll be better tomorrow than we are today. You didn't pray, God, let this thing be so terrible that I wouldn't know you more. 
I hope that it's such a disaster and such calamity comes in our relationship that God, after you destroy us, after I'm sitting in the hospital for months and years with sickness and illness, when nothing's going right, that God, I will know you better. No. No, no one ever went in because that's not God's design. God said that you would have life. Leave it up there. I want them to see it just continuously until I tell you to change the scripture. That you would have life. That you could have life. That your life, that not only would you have life in your marriage, life in your relationship, life in your body, life in your finances. Let's tie them all together because God's not just interested in your marriage. He's not just interested in your salvation. He said, he wanted, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. He said, I want you to be in health. I want you to prosper even as your soul prospers. I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. I, I want you to prosper. I want you to succeed. I want you to have life. I came that you could have life and have it more opulently, more abundantly. And any believer that doesn't understand that has been either misinformed, because we can be religiously misinformed. You know, it's okay. I had a hard time when I first got in church, and especially, you know, my mom and dad were pastors. And so you respect that as a man. I mean, being in a pastor's home, my dad taught. And, and, and for all intents and purposes, he was a Bible scholar. Very brilliant man, very educated as far as the Word of God is concerned, just a genius with the Word of God. He, he helped to finish Jennings Dake for a season of time while finished, Jennings Dake was uh, finishing up his life. My dad would go work with him. If you don't know who finished Jennings Dake was, he wrote an annotated reference to the Bible, one of the most famous annotated references. And my dad got to know him, and they worked a little bit together. I appreciate that about my father. But there were some things that my dad taught that I've learned were just religious traditions. Just the ideas that we have been flooded with. It wasn't actually the word of God. It wasn't actually what God's word said. Sometimes if, if I had to make a choice about God a lot of times. Based on what people told me about God. I would have never chosen to serve the Lord. Because if he just wants me to get saved so I could have a disaster. If, if everything I do is one more reason for him to hit me with the bat. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I hear, sometimes I hear, I was so glad for a West Wednesday testimony service because nobody was praising the devil for what he did in their life. Everybody was thanking God for great and mighty things because God does great and mighty things. Our praise is about God's deliverance. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. You can't be saved and not have things come that come because the world, the flesh, and the devil come and attack you. So there are afflictions that come, but it goes on to say this, but the Lord, but the Lord, but the Lord, but the, somebody ought to shout hallelujah for that, but the Lord will deliver us from all of them. The Lord will protect us in the midst of all of them. I mean, all the way to eternity. The last thing you'll see as a Christian, if you know Jesus is heaven, that's not such a bad thing. Matter of fact, that's the best thing. I mean, all the way to your eternity, the, the only thing that can happen to you that would be considered probably the worst thing that could happen as a born-again believer is die and go to heaven. Yahoo! Didn't shout enough on that one. Come on. I came to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. The devil came to steal. The devil came to kill. And the devil came to destroy. Now let me define this for you. As a believer, you need to know this scripture as the center point of the New Testament. As the center, really it's the center point of the Bible. That God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Say that with me. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Say it with me again. God is good. All the time, and all the time, God is good. Say this with me. Devil bad, God good. All right, we're going to try that again. I'm going to get everybody in here to say it with me, because you've got to get that in your faith statement. Devil bad, 
God good. God good. Say it one more time. The devil's bad, the devil's bad. and God is, good. God is good. See, my mom and dad would believe or believed uh, almost as if God had the devil on a chain. And when you were making mistakes or errors, that somehow he could release the devil on you, allow the devil to come and attack you and tear you up, rip you apart. And then because of, you know, his desire for you to come back to God, you would know God better. You would have more knowledge of God. You would have more of a concept of God. I had a real struggle with that because I, I found out that when people beat you, you don't like to stay with them. Nobody shouted, but it's the truth. I mean, there are hospitals filled with people that have been abused by other people, and they're looking for ways to escape the abuse. I just don't believe God wants to put you in the middle of a road and have a truck run you over so you'd know him better. I don't think he wants to destroy your car, beat up your washing machine, break your electricity, mess up your house, tear up your relationships, and boy, if you can get it bad enough, you'll know him better. He said it is the goodness... I'm just going to quote scriptures. I don't know about religious tradition because I've gotten rid of all that. I've gotten through all that. I've come to realize that he said, it is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Say this with me. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. That's why when you sit there and you look at some ranked person that's living in the world in every way possible. And you think, how did they live to 90? And my so-and-so didn't live to 90. And they look like they're doing great. And how come they seem to be doing so well? Because it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. And God's not trying to steal from you. The devil is. God's not trying to destroy you. The devil is. And so he's so good that you should understand that when you get a paycheck, God provided the legs. God provided the arms. God gave you ears and a mouth and a nose. He's so good that he provided you opportunities to find him in his goodness. Now, are there circumstances that bring people to God? Yep. Because it will lend them to think towards God or maybe lean that direction. But they don't come to God because of a situation. They come to God because of the word. You come to God because of the word. The Bible says no man comes to the Father unless somebody preaches to him. You have to have the Holy Spirit deal with you, guide you, lead you, direct you to himself. He comes and he speaks to you. It's not that you had a car accident. A car accident may get you into the church. God didn't have you have a car accident so you could get in church. Having a car had you have a car accident. I mean, you're driving on the road with other people. I don't drive too much. I let every, I even let Stephen drive. He drives better than me. I'm on the road. Cars have problems. Not everybody follows the rules. Oh, I know all y'all just drive 55 miles an hour stop at every stop sign. You've never run a red light. That is untrue. It is untrue. And because we drive a car. Because we have a car, we are subject to, that's why, you know, I mean, somebody says, well, don't buy insurance. I'm going to buy insurance because you might run into me. I'm going to make sure that I'm taken care of. I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? We can even be, I mean, I mean, so you have to be aware that you and the world and the devil are, are, are at odds with you. But God wants you to have abundant life. And even though things can happen to you and things can come into your life because of the world, the flesh, and the devil... It doesn't mean God did it. It doesn't mean God created it. Or that God was the manifester of it. That God caused that to occur. We have the wrong approach to God if we believe that God is the one who produces things he said he would not produce. God doesn't produce the thing. He said, I came that you might have life and that more abundantly. I came that you could have life. I'm going to keep saying it because there's people that just really, you need to get this in you. And if you've already heard it, you need to get it again. Because the devil will try and come and tempt you to try and make you dismiss it. As you go through things, he wants you to all of a sudden fall into this back to religion and go, oh, God must be trying to show me something. God teaches us in two ways. He teaches us with his word. He teaches us with his word. He teaches us. How does God teach us? Say it with me. With 
his word. With his word. He's already written everything that's going to be written. There's no more to be written. He's written it. He's already what he's ever going to be. He's all that he's ever going to be. And he said, I am come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. So everything that we need is in the word of God. It's there. It's founded. It's already established. Every deliverance of God is in the word. And he teaches us by the Holy Spirit, by revelation knowledge, what we receive that was revealed to us. That's why it's very critical that we don't just come. And I'm not being offensive here. I want to be truthful. We need to pray that during a service or during a message that a pastor has enough of God in him. That he spent enough time with the Lord and enough time in the presence of the Lord. That when he comes, there's one word out of all that he says that will make an impact in my life and change me forever. Every service should have something in it that's manifested to you. That changes you or builds something in you. Planting, reaping, harvesting, watering, all those things. We can't just go through points and have them uh, seem like they're, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, messages of, uh, you know, uh, uh, massaging us and, and uh, you know, cradling us and, and all those things. They're not just uh, messages to manufacture uh, excitement in us. They're more than that. We're to, re- we're to receive a revealed will or revealed word. I can pass on things that are motivational. When somebody comes and gives me motivational speeches and gives me five points of how you can, you know, if you'll do these five things or these three things, that this will change your life. I've been around long enough to know that three things ain't going to change my life. Nobody shouted loud enough on that one. You can give me point A, B, and C, and I might hear them today, and it might motivate me today. But only a revelation from heaven will change me today. Somebody ought to shout out, Lord, give me a revelation. Revealed word, revealed will, revealed spiritual words. Church has gotten to the place now where we just look for three points and a, and a go home. Where we go through the seminar. Where we go through, they write on the little board, we get a few points and we go on down the road. And, and, and here's point A, point B, and point C. But you need more than point A, point B, and point C. I need more than a memorized talk. Give me some word that's going to manifest change in my life. Tell me something I really needed to hear today so that I can be different tomorrow. Somebody ought to shout out, thank God for that. Amen. And then we come prepared for that. We come asking God for that thing. We come asking God for revealed will because motivation won't be enough. And church has gotten to where it's motivational. Where we come in, it's just a motivational speech, and we're giving motivational talks, and we talk on a motivational basis. But Jesus said, my words are spirit, and my words are life. My words are spirit, and my words are life. You can't just come and get a word from Pastor Stephen, three points, and go home and think you got what you needed. you got to have something from the Holy Ghost. you got to have a touch from the Almighty. There has to be something that comes down through the volume of the Holy Spirit that is not just a good talk with good points, but it's got to be something that has, God, will you speak to me? God, speak to me. God, speak in this message today because i got to be different. I've got to change, and I can't change by the words of a man. I can only change by your words, which are spirit and they are life. Lord, we ought to be more concerned about did I get the Holy Ghost? Did I hear from the presence of God? Did somebody wait in his presence? Or did they just write a little research paper for me to listen to today? You can get that in a classroom at the high school. But you don't just need a high school lesson today. You need a Holy Ghost lesson today. Something that will manifest, migrate you, change you from glory to glory to glory to glory. We're not just going from mindset to mindset and thoughts to thoughts. Let's God change me on the end. I want something that gets past my head and gets in my heart. Shoot! Oh, hallelujah. Lift your hands and give it praises, Lord. He came that you could have life. It's not that it comes. Folks, it's not that things come. Many of the afflictions, it's not that things come. 
Any pastor that somehow would teach you that you can't, that there isn't a tax. That would teach you that there aren't a, a divisive things. That there, that there aren't things that the world will bring. Is lying to you. They're not telling you the truth. We are pressed by the world. We live in a world where stuff happens. Stuff occurs. Choices are made. People make decisions. They're not always godly decisions. Thank God I don't live in the economy of this world. And though somebody makes a poor decision, I still have a God that says, Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I have a God that says that no weapon formed against me will ever prosper. I have a God says that I can recover and that all things work together for the good to those who walk after God. Even though somebody else might make a bad decision, somebody else might make a bad choice, something else may come. Some affliction may attack me. I've got power on the other side. I've got a word. He teaches me by his word and by his Holy Spirit. He does not use circumstances. For the Lord is the spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. We are spiritual beings. We hear on a spiritual level. I grow in my spirit. And then I take control of my mind. I take control of my body. I take control of my thoughts. And I recover. Because God said he's done a great thing in my life. Greater is he that's in me. He's in me. I want everybody in here to shout out hallelujah. You can celebrate Veterans Day in about 30 minutes. Don't start until you leave. Not really. I'm, I'm celebrating. But I want some joy in this room. I want somebody to understand what I'm trying to say to you. I want you to get it. Your enemy is the devil. The person you fight. We're not fighting God. We're fighting the devil. Our enemy is the devil. That means that sickness is an enemy that comes from the devil. I'm fighting sickness. From the day I wake up till the day I, from the morning I wake up till the night, all night long, I am praying, believing, standing, and accessing God and saying that health belongs to me, life belongs to me, abundance belongs to me, and I don't give any place to the devil. When I wake up in the morning, go to bed at night, I start confessing over my finances, and I start talking to my money. And I start talking to my wallet. And I start saying in Jesus name. All my bills are paid. All my income is coming in. I start speaking to him. Because he's got the word of God. And he told me what to do. He said if I say unto the mountain. Be thou removed. Plucked up and cast in the sea. And if I wouldn't doubt in my heart. But believe what I said. I would have whatever I say. My mouth is a tool of God's transition. When I begin to speak and speak God's word, his word is the lamp unto my feet and the light unto my pathway. His word is a lamp unto my feet and it's the light that lights my pathway. It's the light that shows, go this, go this way, turn this way, do this. God leads us and guides us and directs us into all truth. If you're not used to shouting in a church and the preacher you once had just talked in a monotone language and didn't none of this and didn't shout a little bit, get ready for heaven. Because the day you walk through the door and you step into the heavenly glories, there are going to be angels that are going to be swaying. They're going to be dancing around the throne. And they're going to be yelling out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. You better get used to some shouting right now. You better get used to some praising right now. Holy, Oh, you're not even going to get away from it. You can't run from it. You can't act like you're all calm and timid and shy and in this place. God said they're going to be dancing around the throne. I just want to get in the crowd. I want to get right there at the throne. I want to start shouting. Holy, 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 holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. Oh, Lord. Get out of your timidity. But I don't like all that yelling. I can't help it. Something shut up in my bones. There's just something shut up in my bones. I didn't believe in faking this when I started. I didn't come here to play games and fool around. This is the real deal. I believe we talk about heaven and hell here. 
I believe we're talking about eternity and life everlasting. I believe we're talking about your health. I believe we're talking about your money. I believe we're talking about your marriage. I believe we're talking about your kids. Y'all need to shout a minute. I gotta catch my breath. Come on, somebody shout a minute. Give him some praise. The Lord is with me wherever I go. It's not that it comes, it's where it comes from. It's not that it comes. It's where it comes from. It does not come from the Lord. I came that you might have life and have life more abundantly. Divided up. He came that you could have all things that pertain to life and to godliness. He came... That you could have all things that pertain to life and to godliness. He came that you could have all things that pertain to life and godliness. I know that one day I'm going to go meet the Lord. I've been in many rooms. I've been with many people and walked through many doors where people have gone to meet the Lord. <clears throat> I knew a man named W.M. Boudry who traveled with Smith Wigglesworth in the early days or in the later days of his ministry and back in that day he was back when I met him in 1985 or 1986 he was well into his 80s may have been 90s and uh, he was writing little books and writing little things and, uh, my parents went to a camp that was an Assemblies of God camp where they kept old pastors who had retired. And this is how I met the man. My parents introduced me to him as a kid, as a young man. When he was a little boy, he had a heart condition that would kill you. And uh, they had him on whatever it was back then that they keep your heart alive and pills, whatever. Back then, the stuff that would blow up, I forget what it's called. Anybody? That's it. And thank you so much. Nitroglycerin. And they had him all stoked up on this stuff. And to get him to this meeting with the minister, they had to put him on a horseback cart and drag him across wherever he was to this meeting. When they got him there, Smith Wigglesworth was preaching. In the middle of his message, while he was laying on this gurney, they stood him up in the middle of the service. Smith Wigglesworth ran over to him and took his fist. Balled it up as hard as he could and punched him as hard as he could in his chest. This is a man with nitroglycerin. You don't punch a man on nitroglycerin. The man was miraculously healed in that service. His heart was returned to normal. Nobody died. And I knew him in his 80s or 90s, late 80s, early 90s. As we got to know him a little bit better, it came to a time where he had reached a moment. And I tell you this, all of us are going to reach here. We can be content with life and have contentment in things that we endure. And we can be content with them, but that doesn't have to mean we are satisfied with them. I think you can have contentment with dissatisfaction. There are things that I want to see God do. I'm dissatisfied where I am right now, but I'm content. Nothing I could do could change them. It has to be the Lord. It has to be the Spirit of the Lord. Something has to happen to manifest change. It's going to happen through my words, whatever it is. But I'm content. The Lord's with me. I'm content. Godliness with contentment is a great game. So I'm content. But I'm not satisfied. But I saw him come to a moment of satisfaction. Where he was okay with it. I'll just live like this. In other words, he had reached the point where it was time for him to go to be with the Lord. He was done. He was not sick. He was not ill. He had no sickness, no disease, no, no harm going on in his body. He just called his family up. And said to his family, I'm going home to be with the Lord this afternoon. I want you all to come. I want to talk to you before I leave. Several, I mean, I don't know, it's maybe 50 people, something like that, had come through the house. His family was gathered around. He said, well, I'm going to go be with the Lord. It's time for me to go, healthy as could be. He went into his bedroom, laid down on the bed, 
had said goodbye to everybody and just expired. He was done. He wasn't sick, diseased. He didn't die from heart failure or heart disease. He just stopped living. Now, I don't know about anybody else, but I got to be honest with you. That's how I plan to go. <laughs> if you want to go some other way and you want to go sick, disease, mindless, you go right ahead. I don't plan to go that way. I plan to live out my life and then say, see ya. I, I really do. I plan to walk out of this life and be healthy and whole and walking in the miracles of God and the blessings of the Lord. And time is up. I don't want to be here no more. There's a better place for me. I'm done. I'm through. Life has satisfied me. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. I believe with all of my heart that's what God is talking about when I'm talking about health. I believe that when he says, I want you to live, that I want you to live an abundant life, that he's talking about a life filled with the goodness of God, with the fullness of the Lord, with the blessings of the Lord, with the health of the Lord, with the righteousness of God. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. And even though there are attacks from the enemy, there are attacks in the world we live in. And though the devil comes and attacks us, that we know that we're delivered by God, that God's going to come and restore us and reframe us and recondition us and help us and deliver us and put a hedge about us. I could just go on and on and on because the Bible is clear that he puts a hedge about us, that we have the angels that give charge over us. I told this story and I'll tell it again. It's my story, so I'm going to stick to it. I, I, I was driving with Amy down the road and we had come out of the health club. And as we're coming out of the health club, we had little Brian in the back seat, and he was little back then. The other one was in some kind of daycare or whatever, and Brian, I don't think Emily had been born. But we're coming out of the McLeod Healthcare, and where that place is where the, where the, where the, the, the flags are, as you come up on that bank there, First Reliance or whatever it is, uh, there's that stoplight right there, and we come up to that light, it turned green for us. My wife didn't do anything wrong, and trust me, I wasn't driving. You, if she's driving, you're better off. She's driving. It's safer with her driving. She's on a green light and getting ready to go through this green light. She, she started out through the green light. And as she did, she looked over me and she said, that van's going to hit us. It wasn't a van. It was a U-Haul truck. Like it looked like a big, one of those 24-footers or 30, well, however big they are. Big, but it was a work truck. Somebody had bought one of those and turned it into a work truck. And it was full of all kinds of equipment, materials, and all that stuff. The guy driving must have just got distracted or whatever it was, and real, didn't realize that he needed to stop. She yells out, that truck's going to hit us. Now, that's not like some, you know, bicycle. And we're talking about a big, huge truck is going to hit my van. And so all of a sudden, he comes through that light. He's stomping on the brakes. You know, when you see somebody holding on the wheel and, and they're standing. There's, you know what I'm talking about? He's standing on the brake and his head's hitting the ceiling. He's doing everything he can to stop, and that thing's just coming on. I don't know how fast he was going, but there was no stopping. And he hit that van and took out the side of that van, and the very front of it was basically taken off that hard. And all I could do was call out Jesus. Thank God I got Jesus. Thank God I've got Jesus. You say whatever you want to. You believe whatever you want to, but I believe you can call on the name of Jesus, and every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You believe it if you want to or don't believe it. I know what I did. All I can tell you is where I went. It wasn't just no circumstance. I promise you. Although the front end of our van was taken off, the side was all smashed in. Glass was everywhere. My little boy in the back seat, glasses all over him, all over us, all over the car. I mean a massive, massive collusion. No one was hurt in either of those vehicles. No one. We were successfully taking it. I had a little sore knee because I wasn't wearing a seatbelt. That wasn't God's fault. God didn't tell me not to wear a seatbelt. Pastor Steve decided not to wear a seatbelt. Nobody's shouting. I got out of that car. Little Brian didn't have a scratch. Not a scratch. Amy had nothing wrong with her. Smashed her side of the car. Nothing. Not a bruise. Nothing. And me with my little sore knee. I get out of the car and finally when all the police officers get there and everything, the police officer comes to me and says to me, he says, he said, I'm so sorry that this has happened to you today. 
I said, I'm not sorry. I'm sorry for that truck, but you can replace the truck. Look at my family. Look at my life. Look at our health. I am thankful that God was with us today. That some guy who wasn't paying attention couldn't stop his car, but God kept us as we went down the road. Though there are afflictions, our rejoicing is not in the affliction. We don't praise the affliction. We don't find joy in the affliction. What we find joy in is that the Lord will deliver us out of them all. When you come out of that mess, when that car falls apart, when stuff happens and, and you didn't expect it and it should have been worse, when nobody was coming there to hit you as you came around the corner, when nobody smashed into you or killed you, you ought to get up and say, thank you, Jesus. Because you are with me. You'll never leave me. And you'll never... I wish somebody shout out amen. Though the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus came. God is not... I feel really impelled. I feel compelled of the Holy Ghost to say to you, it's not that stuff doesn't come. It does not come from God. God is our helper. Would you look at somebody, somebody in here that needs some help. Just look at somebody and say, God's my helper. Come on, find somebody else. Say it like you really mean it. Like, thank God, God is my helper. You know, if you're a salesman in this room, let me tell you something. You better know God. I was a salesman for a while. If you've ever sold anything, one week it's like this. Yes! Everybody's buying. They're all calling me. The next week's like, oh my God. They're going to take all my money. I don't know how I'm going to succeed. How am I going to make it? You better know the Lord. You better know the Lord. Because God knows how to bring the buyer and the seller together. God knows how to bring the buyer, I mean, help you, and the sellers together. I just felt led to say that in this room real quick. And some, some in this room are, you're dealing with these issues. You're dealing with this pain of trying to triumph over finances and income. You're in the sales industries. Whatever it may be. I don't care what it is. He will bring the buyers and the sellers together. He will bring the buyers. And, the, and if you can't sell, get out of sales. Because he'll also give you wisdom. I mean, if you can't talk to nobody... Maybe you shouldn't be selling. Never mind. I just thought I'd go there. I don't know. Just every once in a while you feel led to talk to people. I don't know. Somebody say, well, I don't understand, Pastor. If God loves us this much and he so much loves us. And he so much wants us blessed. I mean, if we look at Jeremiah 29, 11, Listen to this. Jeremiah 29. Most of you know this. Most of you have memorized this. You've kept this in your, in your craw. You got it. For I know the thoughts. These are God's thoughts. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. I know them. These are not man thoughts. These are God thoughts. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. He said, they're thoughts of peace, not of evil. That word peace there in the Greek is the word shalom. It's the word shalom. He said, I have thoughts of peace. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected. Somebody say expected end, a positive end, a God kind of end, a thorough end, a fulfilled end, an expected end. And you say, well, God's concerned about my health. Why doesn't why he just fix it? Why doesn't God just fix it? Why doesn't he just take that out or do this, that, or the other? And then you, But the reason people say that is because they're confused about how it all began. They don't understand how it all started. They don't understand how did sickness come? What is the, what is the breadth and depth and, and, and the, dis, the, the whole situation? The problem is, is that God didn't begin that. Man began that with disobedience. It was man's disobedience. Before disobedience, there was no sickness, no disease. It was absent. We were in total dominion of the earth. Total dominion. I mean, think of the total dominion. There was no sickness. There was no, you know, we, we have no idea what the conditions of and how long Adam and Eve were there and all those kinds of things. All we know is from a, the events listed and how they came about. What we do know is that at the moment that Adam decided to disobey God, sickness entered the earth. 
disease came to the earth. So man is the one who brought the disease. Man is the one who conditioned the earth. God gave man the control. God gave man the, uh, the, uh, the custodialship of the earth. He took the earth and built it and put, put all the things on there. And then he turned it over to man and said, I'll make you the, domin- the dominator. I'll make you the one in control. And he gave him dominion over the earth. He was the caretaker. He was the one in charge. He was the one in control. What he said would go. You named the, you named the, the animals. You named the stuff. He gave him that kind of power. And so custodially, man was given the authority over the earth. But that meant that man could also change that. And he did by giving the devil custodialship. He turned that over. He turned the custodialship over. He said, he said that he would, he would, uh, he fell into sin. And by doing so, sin brought death, sickness, and, and all those things to us. Sin brought that to us and separated us from a relationship with God. But God himself is called Jehovah Rapha. If you don't know what Jehovah Rapha means, it means God the healer. He's known as the healer. His name is Healer. It's not something He's going to become for you. See, I think that's the crazy thing. I think Christians have some knowledge, or in their mind, through religious traditions, they believe that they manifest Him as the Healer. That somehow they pray enough and He becomes the Healer. To them, He'll become your Healer. He's just going to become a Healer. No, His name is Jehovah Rapha. He's not going to be Healer because you prayed enough. He's not going to become Healer because you've got a sickness or a disease. He was healer before you got it. He'll be healer if you got it. And he'll be the healer when you get out of it, one way or another. Nothing you do will change who he is. He's not going to become. That's If you don't understand that he is the healer. When I talk about a God that came to give you life, that's that God. He is the healer. When you wake up in the morning, he's the healer. When you get a zit on your forehead, he's the healer. He's not just interested if you've got a toenail problem. He knows the very hair on your head. He cares about how you breathe, how you think, how you... He cares about all of who you are. And to think that you would limit him to a cancer? I don't wait for somebody to tell me something stupid like that. I'm never going to have that in the name of Jesus. I rebuke it in the name of the Lord. I stand against it in Jesus' name. I'm not going to have those things. Jesus is my healer. He is... He is. He is the healer. Jesus came to manifest that dominion back in our life. Even though that dominion was released by Adam and and man. Jesus came to restore to us that dominion. He came to say, I'm going to be your healer now. Not only did they have healing in the Old Testament, but we have better promises. He lives on the inside of us. Man, when you get the first runny nose, when your eye starts dripping, on the first sign of a headache, you don't wait till it becomes a migraine. You wake up and you say, He came that I might have life. And have life more abundantly. I don't have to change my diet for the devil. I may get wise enough not to eat cheesecake all night. Somebody ought to say amen. He gave us a brain. Amen. What I'm trying to say to you is. He is the healer. His name is healing. Jehovah Rapha. Deuteronomy 28 says this. It says, And I shall come to you as if, as thou shalt hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God. As you come to me, I'm going to come to you. Deuteronomy 28, starting at verse 1. To observe to do all the commandments which I laid before thee, that the Lord God will set thee a on high above all the nations. Put that up on the screen. Deuteronomy 28, 1. There it is. And I shall come, it shall come to pass. It, I didn't write it. Not Steve McCart's words. Not my thoughts. He teaches us by his word and by his spirit. If this becomes revealed knowledge, not just 
motivational speech. I'm not trying to motivate you. I'm not trying to motivate you. I can't do enough of it. I can get you motivated for tonight. But what will transform you is if this becomes reality by revelation knowledge. And it shall come to pass that if you will hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God. And you will observe his commandments. If you'll be willing and you'll do. He said that, that his commands, which I command you this day, that the Lord God will set you on high above all the earth. How many in this world, I mean, just be real honest with me. You hope you're low tomorrow. You hope that today is lower. Not me. Not me. My son's got quarterback stuff he's working on. Every day. Every day. Like I told him, we don't have practice today. I feel like I have practice every day. Dropping him off, picking him up, going to this thing. When the coach said no practice on Sunday, I was like, yes. Yes. I told Brian today, as he comes in, I hadn't seen him spit the night with somebody last night, but he comes in the house today and he walks in the door and I said, Brian, no practice today. He's like, yes. I said, and then I said, this, I said, so me and you can go out in the front yard and throw the football. No. No, no. Oh, I know what he wants to do. He's going to go play video games all day long. No, he said he'll set you. If you haven't come to that moment, then you have not yet received the revelation knowledge that God wants to put in your life. You have not come to the point to understand he's not your enemy. He is your friend, your brother, your father. He is everything you need to overcome everything in your life. God is not just enough. He's not less than enough. God is more. He's more than enough. Oh, if I could just get it in you. If in this room, I believe in this room, say what you want to, that it can get so embedded in your spirit that you can exceed your income by multiplicities. That you can overcome, that there are visions, dreams, and manifestations inside of this room. There are people that if you'll hear the word of God and get this revelation, you're going to walk in millions and millions and millions of dollars. And there's nothing wrong with believing that. Oh, we ought to carry our cross. He carried the cross. He carried it for you. He picked that cross up and he carried that cross so you don't have to carry sin and disease and sickness. You don't have to carry these things. He became sickness. He became sick. So we, he, he took it on so we don't have to have it. Go to the next verse. And all these blessings have come upon you. I didn't write it. You might want to stay. I, I talk to people, religious people, people that have been stuck in religion. All they hear is religion. And God is, and, and you'll talk to me and say, God wants you delivered. And he wants sickness off your body. Oh, ha, oh, no. And we could go to war over this. We'll fight over it. Yeah. Now, if I told him God wants your marriage well, you're right. If I told them, you know, God wants to take your marriage and perform, he, they, they wouldn't fight me and say, no. He wants my marriage to fail. You know, that's really, really, there's people in this room, they're going, you know, you know, you're right. They are. That's what they're doing. They're saying, huh. Let's see. He's not just picking sickness. I guess he really cares about my marriage, too. You wouldn't wake up in the morning and hope that God would destroy your children so you'd know him more. Would you hope God would wreck your family? Lord, destroy my daughter. Lord, I pray that she gets taken. This is just fictional. You understand? <laughs> No, you wake up in the morning and you say, I know God. Yeah. Don't you? Yeah. You'll put a hedge. Now, I know, I know a story because I know him. And he told me, can I tell them your story? She's going down the road. I don't know how bad she's going. She's going to school or coming home from school. And I want you to think about this, right? And she's going down the road. The wheel on her car jumped off. Is that right? Lost total control of her car. She spins out down the highway, lands up in some trees or something like that. And they have to come rescue her. The police said she should have been dead or hurt violently. Correct? Should have been dead or hurt violently. You got out of the car. Did you have maybe a bruise? Seatbelt burn. Thank God you were wearing a seatbelt. 
unlike Pastor Steve. Why? 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 Why did God do that? Because mom and dad, your sister, prayed and sought God for what God's will was in her life. She don't want to wake up without her daughter. God's will was for her to live. And we agreed with his will. I came <laughs> that you might have life. Man, I'm preaching real, real, real. Thank you. Appreciate that. And if he cares about your daughter and he cares about your marriage, then why would we limit him on your money? I mean, religion would tell us, oh, no. You have to have that beat up car and has to have smoke coming out the back and you shouldn't be able to have nothing nice and you should be devastated and no job. And I hope they fire you tomorrow. Not me, man. I pray I get a promotion, that God elevates me, that I have the favor of the Lord because He can't be that I might have life and have life more abundantly. Let me help you out even further. All things Do you really think this world can stop you? Do you think that because you went to high school, listen, we have people in this room and have had for 20 years that don't, can't read. They come in and they weren't able to read. They didn't get there. They didn't, parents didn't make them go to school, whatever it is. Do you think that's a limit to your security? That that's going to stop you from succeeding? Because I can do. But I'm not trying to give you motivational talk. I'm not just coming here trying to tell you, oh, if you put do point A and point B and point C and point D. I want you to understand, he came that you could have life and have life more abundantly. You should wake up, go to bed, and live your life thinking, Lord, there's something more. I know I'm not where it is right now. But you can't judge things on where they are right now. If you looked at the foundation of a house, you couldn't tell what the end of the house would look like. It still required some things to go into place and some stuff to go up. But you had to have a bigger expectation when they poured the cement on the ground. There has to be something further. God wants to take you beyond this. He said, I have not seen. I have not seen, ear have not heard, it hasn't entered into the heart. I'm still just bricks on the ground. I hadn't reached what I expected. Don't get down on me, wife. I mean, when sometimes you go to Amy and say, Amy, don't get down on me yet. Don't get down on me yet, girl. I started this church with 500 credit. I hate to tell y'all that. couple stupid mistakes God didn't do any of them he wasn't trying to teach me nothing one of them was a tax debt I took a job selling timeshare I didn't know I was going to sell timeshare I got to quit but I didn't know I was going to sell timeshare I had no idea good sales voice all this stuff I'm going to sell timeshare but the lady told me this is how she now said listen I run this company over the couple come on this is how I heard it you come I had no job. If you come over here, and it's five o'clock, I'll interview. All I thought was I'm getting a bellboy job at a hotel. That's the truth. Bellboy job. I can park a car. <laughs> this is college days. Don't feel bad about me now because I. You're right. I'm nowhere near all that. I learned. 
You don't have to live there. See, I got the revelation. Not off this church. Before I ever started this church, I, I started remodeling homes. I could tell you the whole story, but I never remodeled a house that sold for less than $44,000 profit. Ever. I didn't even know how to remodel a house. I had no idea. First one, the Lord told me, get up off your couch, make the phone call. Lady wanted to sell me a house. He said, get up off your couch. Only through laziness will you miss out on my plan. That's what I heard. Only through laziness will you miss out on my plan. Picked up the phone call. They said, I'll take it. She said, okay. I went over and started working. I had to hire a contract. Teach me how to do contracting. Still made 44 grand on that house. And everyone after that. So I didn't make it off the church. So I just want to clear that up. What was I talking about? <laughs> Where was I? What was the story before that one? Oh, I had a 500 credit score. Thank you, brother. Brother Richard was listening. Thank you, sir. Because of me. Because of me. But I also knew what the word said. I knew that God could transform my life and that he had called me. What can I say? But I had to tell my wife. Who, when, I, when we first got married, I went to her and I had to be honest. How I many know you ought to be honest before you get married? If you a liar, it's going to catch up. Had to be truthful. She lived, pay her bills ahead of time, on time. She had like impeccable credit, best credit score you could get and all that stuff. And I had a blue folder. And in the blue folder was all the calls and all the stuff and all this that happened. And when we sat down and I finally was going to ask her to marry, I said, I got to tell you the truth. I said, I'm going to open this blue folder for you. <laughs> she wept. <laughs> she did. She cried. Oh, I can't believe it. Oh. I said, listen, I know you got to decide whether you love me or not. That part I think you got, but do you want to live with me is another thing. I said to her, I promise you. That I will change all of that. I promise you that God will work in my life. I promise you that I will change everything. And that we will serve the Lord. And this will be different. And if you'll believe that, I'll make a difference. I'll make an impact. So a couple of days later, she said yes. <laughs> Not really how it was, but it's really the truth. I began the process of what God said. That he would pour on me. Not only would he come upon me, but he would pour on me. He said, not only will you be blessed, but blessings will overtake you. And I began that process of believing God. It's legit because it happens in your brain too. What you reveal in the spirit, you can transform to your brain. And then you can control. You understand? It comes to your heart first. If you get it in your brain first, it'll never change you. You've got to get it in your heart. Even scientists have come to understand how the brain does based on what's in our heart. That's why prayer words and all those things matter. That's why we preach on words. That's why we preach on what you say and what you don't say. You can kill yourself by saying and you can kill yourself by not saying. So I began to work and began to process and began all those things and began to do what God called me to do and put words to it, put faith to it, put all those things to it and transformed my life, transformed my relationship and my wife now has complete trust in what I do. Complete trust in me because I did what the word of God says. But I'm saying to you, it does not matter where you are today. It does, and that's why I said this. I think it should help anybody in this room. You might sit there today and feel like you're failing. My wife had to make a decision to trust me. And now I can look at her and say, I told you before. You know, when things don't go right and you can look at your wife and say, now... I know where we were before, but I told you before, and look where we are now. And if you think that people aren't going to make mistakes and almost lose houses and almost lose their life and all that stuff, Amy and I have sat there with a sign ready to put in our front yard and sell our house at times because, because of things we did or things that went wrong or things. But we believed God and we trusted the Lord because we knew that God would take the thing and turn it around because he said, I came. It's not I. That liveth. But Christ. 
when when will you get the revelation of Christ in you?